welcome everybody to another episode of Small Council Radio. So this show is going to be uh, kind of doing a wrap-up of the Greyjoy contents um, that weren't uh, shown in any of the Vision in the Flames. This will be a bunch of the stuff that you can find on the War Council app. Uh, so we're going to be going over, uh, looks like, three different commanders, a unit, a couple NCUs, and a handful of attachments. Uh, tonight is just going to be myself and Brett. Uh, because Greyjoys aren't really officially out yet, there's only a couple people that even have their hands on the starters, and only recently. There isn't a ton of people out there that really play them, or, you know, with everything being uh, going on, not a lot of people like talking about even buying the faction, but I'm sure that's that's something that's going to change, you know, once things uh, start to open back up. You know, once a lot of the people that are buying into the faction kind of show, you know, their painted models and just, you know, once people start facing against other people who have bought it, you'll see a spike in uh, excitement for the faction but me personally i can't wait to get my hands on these guys as any of you that have listened to our previous Greyjoy um shows uh i've been making tons and tons of lists i can't wait to finally get my hands on them but uh i guess we can kind of jump right into it uh, we're gonna start off with the commanders we'll start off with dion Greyjoy, the prince of winterfell he has the ability ambush enemies this unit successfully charges in the flank or rear become panicked and weakened and also has the ability enhance mobility given this unit uh, or this unit grants plus one uh, move and may pivot before marching um, so I think uh, amazing abilities ambush is a little tricky to get off but if any faction can do it fairly easy, it's going to be Greyjoys, and that's because you can essentially make any infantry Greyjoy unit uh, the ability to outflank, getting in the uh, flank or rear, you know, potentially really easy, uh, and getting these effects off pretty good. Uh, and then the enhanced mobility plus one move and pivoting. I mean, I've always loved that. Uh, that was a big reason why I would love running rob and some berserkers uh he comes with his three uh, tactics cards being uh, the first one opportunist when a friendly unit is performing an attack before rolling attack dice if the defender has not activated this round this attack may re-roll any attack dice and gains precision or vicious if the attacker is theon gain both uh effects instead uh also has diversion tactics after an enemy completes a melee attack target one other friendly unit in long range of the defender it performs one maneuver action and then lastly has stark exposure when a friendly unit is performing a charge action before rolling charge distance dice enemies successfully charged by this unit cannot be the target of friendly orders or tactics cards this turn if the targets if this targets Theon's unit, it may reroll any charge distance dice. So uh, overall, I think uh, he's going to be a, a lot of fun to play. He's going to, for a faction that already has so much maneuverability, he's going to just, you know, kind of crank it up uh, to the next level. 
you know, the, the diversion tactics, giving, you know, another unit within uh, long range that the defender performs one maneuver action. Uh, I believe that's similar to a card that Free Folk have. Uh, I think theirs has to be an activated unit, though. Um, but, I mean, that's just super strong. As we already know, you know, a free maneuver is huge. That's probably why uh, we don't see um, Swift Advance anymore. Granted, you know, because this being after an enemy completes an attack, getting a free maneuver is almost like swift advance in the sense that it's then going to be your action. Uh, so you're going to be able to get that maneuver and then come your activation, you could just then activate that unit and then essentially be a swift advance. Uh, stark exposure. Um, turning off orders and tactics cards. I mean, in 2021 uh, edition, um, it's something we don't really see so i mean this card is going to be invaluable uh and then being able to reroll charges and dice is just you know icing on the cake um especially if you are combining theon with the unit that you're going to outflank with the reaver uh captain who ignores the attachment restrictions getting able getting like a rear charge um uh, and having that reroll to ensure that that charge is not going to be disordered and then making them panicked and weakened, uh, it's going to be huge. Uh, some of the combo potential with him is going to be amazing. Um, and then the opportunist, the defender, if the defender hasn't activated, the attack may reroll any attack dice and gain precision or vicious, potentially getting both. And again, if it's Dion's unit, I mean, if I'm looking at... Uh, you know, between tar Stark Exposure, uh, Opportunist, and his base abilities, you could combo these all together um, and really just put the hurt on any unit, you know, because you're looking at Precision and Vicious um, with Vulnerable and Weaken, or is it for No, sorry, Panicked and Weaken, with no orders or tactics cards and rerolling your charge distance dice. Uh, I mean, it could get pretty insane pretty fast. Uh, Brett, what are you kind of, what are you thinking about Theon here? Yeah, he seems like a strong choice. Um, I know I told you before we got into the show, I haven't done a lot of Greyjoy research. Um, shame, shame, shame. Uh, it's pretty hard for me really to speak on it because I haven't looked for synergies. I haven't looked for combos, but um, I agree with what you're saying. I think the biggest strength is the Reaver Captain. I think particularly with no Varus in, well, with no can zone canceling Varus in uh, the 2021 update, I think Outflank is going to prove to be a really powerful ability. Um, Having Free Folk as one of my kind of enemy factions, I guess, in the all of the 1.6 version, um, there were a lot of games where I ran Varus just to uh, threaten uh, Jarl. Um, and there's been games where he never even got to deploy because I 
uh, used Varus on the rounds where he went first. And if they didn't claim the maneuver zone, then I just claimed the maneuver zone. And then on the turns where I went first, I just claimed the maneuver zone myself. Um, I had a very anti-free folk Stark list that, or um, anti, yeah, an anti-free folk Stark list that had Varus and Peter Baelish just to kind of double down on that, um, you know, canceling of the outflank ability, but also just to counter, like, fainting maneuver and things like this. So I'm kind of rambling, but my larger point is the the fact that you can't really stop those abilities um, unless you play Targaryens and you drew field control is a pretty big buff for anything that has the outflank ability. So um, I can see it bring, being pretty good. His cards are, are solid. Um, as you mentioned, Diversion Tactic is a very strong card still. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, exactly like you said, you can play it and create your own swift advance of sorts. Um, probably not quite as powerful. Um, swift advance had a lot going for it. The kicker for owning the maneuver zone was also very, very good. Uh, plus one to movement and re-rolling charge distance. Um, but this, that's about the best you're going to do, right, in 2021. Um, so I think, I think he's definitely got potential. Um, I'm a fan of trickery, and I'm a fan of anything that adds, like, mobility, particularly free mobility. So I would probably be inclined to give Theon a try if I was running uh, Greyjoy. And I feel like it's a nice flavorful thing in the sense that he is the what seems to be the maneuver uh, commander, but and he was also, you know, the ward of the Starks. So, and then Fabio, he he made uh, Stark exposure be that because it has Stark in the name, you know, you know the pun. Uh, and it just kind of it seems a little thematic, the fact that you know him and Rob were always you know together growing up, and Rob is the maneuver uh, commander for the Starks, and now you have this you know Theon as the maneuver commander for you know he's taken his experiences as growing up with the Starks and applying it to the uh, Greyjoy faction, which, you know, the Greyjoys are already maneuverable, but it just shines that he as the commander is just, you know, doubling down on it, and he's going to really just be able to uh, help you do what you already do, but even better. Uh, So I'm excited to try him out. I think uh, he's going to be underappreciated at first, but some of, you know, I know a lot of, you know, really talented uh, players that are going to just take Theon to the next level. Uh, Maneuvering in this game is super important, and the abilities that he has is really going to let some players just shine. Uh, Next up, uh, we're going to talk about Eric Ironmaker. Um, As you guys know, I absolutely love his NCU, uh, and it's cool that he has a commander version as well he has uh order just sharp just shares am i reading that right order just shares um 
start of any turn, target one friendly combat unit in long range, move one pillage token from that unit to one other friendly unit with pillage in short range of that unit. Um, let's see. So it has to be within long of him, moving one pillage token from one unit to another friendly in short. So it's, it's a little weird uh, the way it's... I, I wouldn't say weird uh, the way it's worded, but more so just a little weird uh, how it works. Um, but a pretty cool ability. Uh, his next... Uh, Ability is Gifts of Silver and Bronze. At the start of the game, target one friendly unit with Pillage, and it gains a Pillage token. His first uh, tactics card here is when an enemy is performing a melee attack after rolling defense dice, you may remove one Pillage token from the defender. If you do, block plus D3 hits. The remove token still counts for any effects happening during the attack. Next uh, ability is Steel's Might. When a friendly unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, remove any number of pillage tokens from the attacker. For each removed token, choose one. Uh, the attack may reroll any attack dice. It gains precision. It gains vicious. The removed token still counts for any effects happening during this attack. And then Gold's Allure. When a friendly unit is performing a morale test after rolling dice, you may remove one pillage token from that unit. If you do, they pass this test. The remove token still counts for any effects happening during this test. So I do like that all three cards in uh, parentheses adds that it's remo the remove token still counts for the, for the effects of the attack. And I think it's just there for clarification because if I'm not mistaken, at the timing that the token would be removed, uh, it would still be applying. Uh, or maybe not. Some of them it would. Uh, irons, iron and gold's uh, cards are after dice rolled, so those would by the mechanics of the game. But uh, Steel's Might says before rolling attack dice, so that one, it's important that that text is on there because that would imply that the token would be removed first, if I'm not mistaken. But it's still, regardless, it's nice that that text is on there for all the cards, that there is no confusion either way. Um, to go back to his abilities, um, it's definitely nice that you can move tokens around with his ability and uh, it's nice that he just kind of puts a token out there. I think the fact that all three of his cards uh, deal with removing tokens, it would have been nice to see him start the game giving out two pillage tokens, which may seem strong, but um, his cards could end up being dead cards early game if you can't get those pillage tokens on your units. And I know you start the game with one on, but... Um, you know, I, I don't know. I would like to have seen maybe start with two. Um, starting with two would allow for enough fuel that drawing his cards early um, wouldn't feel like cards. Because you might start with one and put it on a unit, but if that unit's the unit not really engaging in combat early, then uh, unless you can get some pillage tokens other places, um, these cards won't do 
that much, if anything. Not only that, the other good source of uh, Pillage Tokens is his NCU, which essentially lets you start with two and then even get more if your opponent takes the Wealth Zone. Uh, so you can't even run his NCU to help uh, with that mechanic. So I'm not quite sure. Uh, time will tell. I don't have any games under my belt, so I can't tell you how easy or hard it is to get pillage tokens. That's why I think I absolutely love his NCU. Um, just guaranteeing me two or more pillage tokens without me even, even having to do any damage is awesome. So, uh, Brett, what do you think of this guy? Uh, I, I think he could be pretty strong. Um, just at first glance, and a, again, you know, I don't have any gangs. I haven't spent a lot of time studying the synergies. Um, could be he's probably going to be a little bit outshined by, like, Asha and Theon initially. But it, it could be a case where he becomes like um, – Gior and Alistair did for the Night's Watch in 1.6, where Jon Snow was kind of the obvious choice. It was what everybody leaned into, but at the end of the day, um, Gior and Alistair just ended up being better commanders um, in a lot of ways, uh, depending on who you're facing and what you're trying to accomplish. So um, this could be the case there, that since he's not, like, flashy – good on the surface, uh, he might get overlooked, but I think he's got some things going for him that um, with the right build and a, a high skill cap, I think I think he could end up uh, giving people some problems. I think he could end up being a matchup issue, so uh, we will have to see. I could be totally wrong on that, but um, that's what it seems like to me. Um, a lot of times the ones who aren't flashy, over-the-top good at a first glance, they end up being the ones that really have things going for them. Yeah, and the more I think about it, the more it would be cool that if his ability, the Just Shares, uh, which I think I get the title now, um, is if maybe still had the one friendly, like, uh, it could just be slightly different that uh, instead of moving one pillage token from one unit to another, you could always, uh, it could have been like, because if I'm not correct, uh, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, the pillage ability only allows for two pillage tokens. Any extra just falls off. Um, and it'd be cool if this ability allowed you to, uh, when you gained a pillage token and you're already at your max, move it from one unit to another, you know, sharing sharing the wealth essentially, ju just shares. And that way, once, you know, let's say a unit already has two pillage tokens because, let's say, um, visually, they're just carrying all they can already carry and they can't carry anymore, they could, you know, have passed that token on uh, to someone else that uh, still had the ability to have a token on them. That, I think, would also help fuel uh, his cards because now you don't have pillage tokens that are, are being wasted uh, and just kind of falling off. And now you can help to kind of um, 
fuel his cards. But I think his, there's nothing wrong with his cards at all. I think they're really strong. Um, let's see, remove, removing a pillage token to auto-pass a test is awesome, uh, especially if, you know, Mel stays the same as her insane Mel bomb, uh, you know, because if, like, every one of your units has a, a token on the, or a pillage token, it's like, okay, pick whoever you want. I got this card in my hand. Um Blocking D3 hits, amazing, especially if they barely had any hits on you and you can block all of them. Now you auto-pass that panic test anyways. And then, you know, gaining the precision and vicious is still, or re-rolls, you know, being able to charge over the new terrain keywords, uh, the hindering, and losing your charge re-roll bonus. Now you can play this card, remove a pillage, still get the effects of the pillage, let's say for a reaver, for the uh, plus one to hit, and still pick Vicious or Precision uh, to boost the damage to possibly take out a rank to get yourself that pillage token back, uh, while then ignoring, um, you know, if you take the rerolls, uh, ignoring the hindering keyword. So I think uh, time will tell. We'll have to see uh, how he kind of shapes out. Um, but probably one of the more... Uh, probably towards the bottom of the list out of, you know, I guess my excitement for playing playing him as a commander because I just, I love his NCU too much. And then lastly for the commanders, uh, we have Euron Greyjoy, uh, probably the number one guy I was excited to find out what he was going to do as a commander, um, especially after Michael kind of teased that he was, you know, along the lines of uh, Ramsey Snow, uh, in the sense of like how he would kind of work or you know his style i would i guess i should say uh he has order so discord start of any turn target one enemy in long if they suffer one uh they suffer one morale test with minus one to their roll for each of their destroyed ranks on a failure they lose all abilities until the end of the round and then he also gives the unit the intimidating presence, which is uh, minus one to morale test rolls uh, and plus one wound from failing panic tests to any enemies that are engaged with them. So it doesn't even have to be from their attacks. Just any time an enemy engaged with them uh, fails uh, or it takes a panic test, they get those modifiers. Uh, he has devious methods, start of a friendly turn, discard one other tactics card, if you do, take one card from your opponent's discard pile and add it to your hand. Return that card to your opponent's discard pile if it leaves your hand. Replace any commander name on that card with Yaron Greyjoy. Cunning Ploy. When a friendly combat unit activates, this unit cannot perform actions this turn. Instead, one other friendly combat unit performs one maneuver, march, or retreat. If this is Yaron Greyjoy's unit, they may perform this action, or before they perform this action, one enemy in long range becomes vulnerable. And mind games, start of a friendly turn, target one tactic zone. The next time that zone is claimed this round after resolving that zone's effect, the player who did not claim that zone may immediately activate that zone's effect. Man, I cannot wait to play him. I mean, his tactics cards, his, you know, uh, Michael uh, saying that he's like the Ramsey Snow in style is an understatement. All three of his cards and him can be 
game changers. Uh, you're on his uh, so Discord to you know make someone lose abilities. Granted, it's not going to work that great all the time, but let's even just say uh, raiders. You know, let's see how long does it last for until the end of the round. So you could essentially, even without modifiers, you're you could be making raiders every turn be worth victory points. Uh, devious methods. Being able to combine any tactics card in any faction to your hand to combo with your faction, with the Greyjoy faction, crazy insane. Like, you're going to have to spend a couple hours just trying to uh, figure out the combo potential between some of the cards that you could pick out of your opponent's discard pile and combined them with some of the stuff that you... I could only imagine how much playtesting that had to have taken for them to feel comfortable comfortable throwing this card in there. Granted, you know, I suppose it's only uh, a total of two copies, but, um, I mean, uh, if I'm not mistaken, there are some recycle cards out there, like going and getting a card that lets you uh, banish it or, like, get it removed from game to go get any other card from your discard pile or something. I don't know. But just the possibility of this card is amazing. Cunning Ploy, uh, being able to take a unit that wasn't going to be doing anything that round, giving another unit the ability to maneuver, march, or retreat, and then making someone vulnerable if it's Euron's unit. Uh, still amazing. Uh, you know, it's it's... Good to see that it wasn't like a free attack action. I think that would be crazy good, especially with how good his other cards and his ability is. But still, I mean, a maneuver march or retreat is still amazing. And especially if your opponent attacked you, you have a unit that's not really doing anything. You forego their action in order to make the unit that just got attacked get a free retreat. That way they could then use their actual activation to charge in especially if it was Euron's unit, you vulnerable that same unit and then charge back in with the vulnerable token. And then lastly, man, mind games. I mean, so target one tactic zone. The next time that zone is claimed, so you could essentially start of your turn, play this card, say I'm going to choose the wealth zone, then take the free attack, attack your uh, the opponent, and then now they go, okay, do I take the wealth to not only heal and prevent my opponent from having it, but now they're going, you're going to get um, the healing as well. Uh, this, because it's the start of a friendly turn, I don't see this happening very often that you're going to be able to play this uh, and get the free attack unless, let's say, you didn't care for the attack and you start a friendly turn, play this, take the wealth zone, heal up, and then that way, if they try to take the attack against you, you're going to get the attack. So I, that's a possibility, but I don't know. I, I guess it would just depend on the situation. But there's so many other combinations you could do with this. Um, you know, this card is essentially a free uh, tactic zone spot. Um, and even if it isn't because your opponent just doesn't take it, I mean, that's still some mind games, you know, that's the name of the card, to make your opponent have to think about not taking that spot at all. Especially if you're both playing three NCUs and you're going first, 
meaning you're going to get three spots on the board and they're only going to get two, you could almost force them off a spot that they're going to want and have a super huge advantage on the tactics board with this card. So, man, Brett, what do you think about this guy? Oh, I think he is <laughs> he is about the coolest. Um, yeah, I just really, really, really like um, the whole feel of him. I think he he's similar to Ramsey, but he also gives me a little bit of a Tyrion kind of Lannister vibe. Uh, he's got some control elements that I really like. Um, and, of course, as you mentioned, kind of the mind games, again, the – the style that I really like, um, any type of uh, trickery or um, trickery or mind game type stuff, something that really makes your opponent think about what they want to do and forces them to stay on their toes the whole game. Um, really, really like that. Uh, the he's got some pretty unique. Um, elements that we've not seen before the the claiming the tactic zone and then the person who didn't claim it gets to resolve the effect of that zone is just incredibly cool from like a design space uh from where i'm looking at it and i'm it's just like man that is it's just a really cool ability it's a nice little kicker um i would be actually interested in playing this guy um I don't have a lot of interest in playing Greyjoys, but I would definitely give him a shake. Um, he could end up being really fun. I've been in this spot before where I looked at a faction and I just wasn't really interested in them. Um, I used to hate Night's Watch, so things can change. So I could end up falling in love with this guy after I played him. It's not. I don't see that out of the realm of possibility at all because he definitely has some stuff that appeals to me for sure. Yeah, it's hard for me. It's so hard to say. Cause like, I would say he's probably my new, like number one for commanders and what I'm excited to play. Uh, but it's hard. Like there's a lot about Theon, uh, cause commanders that are really maneuverable. It's they're a higher learning curve and, I like to kind of look at that as like a challenge. So Theon is really high on my list just because I want to be able to figure out, you know, how to make him, you know, amazing, like so amazing that, uh, you know, it's going to be hard to like deal with his maneuverability. Um, Asha, just that, uh, you know, as I mentioned in the other show, her ability to essentially make, uh, such a, like a cannony faction a lot more durable without really taking away from their uh their offense it's kind of what i do with my uh how i do my play style for my starks um yeah i mean other than iron maker which i still think is going to be a great commander i mean they're all really awesome looking um let's see moving on uh, we'll talk about the ncus so uh, we'll talk about Balon Greyjoy, which we did sort of see in a in 
which McCullough, they uh for the CMON Expo, they showed like a little screenshot of him. We weren't sure if he was going to change any at, at all. And to be totally honest, I can't remember what he was. We talked about him in the other video, but just to cover it, just in case he changed a little bit, uh, he is, I believe, five points. Uh, he has rise again, blade in hand, once per game. When Balon claims a zone, you may replace that zone's effect with redeploy one previously destroyed Greyjoy combat unit fully within long of a friendly deployment edge or fully within short uh, range of any flank table edge. It deploys activated and with any pillage tokens it previously had. So, um, I... It's going to be hard for me to not take him in almost every single list. Granted, it is only once. It is only when he claims his own and replaces it. Uh, and the redeploy unit uh, deploys activated. So that is a lot. But then again, you know, he's going to be key for uh, redeploying your commander, Uh who died sooner than you would have liked because with, you know, the new uh, missions with your commander being so key to victory in a lot of cases, you know, giving you that extra victory point, um, you're really going to want to have Balon to, as like your backup. And though he's five points only once, uh, once per game, and you have to sacrifice the spot he takes uh, in order to, even use his effect. I mean, you could potentially be getting back like ten point units. I think, because like, I know the uh, iron iron makers are seven, and as we'll talk about in a minute here, uh, there's a three point attachment. I mean, not that you would necessarily put those two together, but it's a possibility that you could be having, um, you know, super expensive unit that one you could just throw into the fray and just kind of, you know. Don't even care if they die. You know, obviously you'll you'll care if they die before if they don't do anything before they die. But you know, you know you have a backup plan to get them back into the fight, or even your commander if you want to run uh, uh, Victorian commander in something and just throw him at whatever, and then try to do as much damage as possible. And then when he dies, you just bring him right back, and that way you still have your commander uh, for objectives once things have already, you know, a lot of things have been slaughtered. You could even wait until the end of the game to do it when your opponent has no way to then deal with him, uh, and then go plop him on a, an objective somewhere off in the middle of nowhere. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like even though for five points, he's going to be amazingly good and useful in a lot of cases. Uh, what do you think, Brett? Yeah, yeah. I mean, resurrecting a friendly unit with a – this is an NCU, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> – I feel like um, almost anybody going to build a list now if they see an ability like that like how do you pass that up like it just seems really really good to me so i imagine that it will get some play for sure yeah i i could only imagine if other factions had the same ability you know five points for this stuff like it could get nuts so i mean 
so far we've seen such amazing NCUs that I can't wait to, you know, try him out. You know, I have so many different lists with different combinations of NCUs. You know, I just can't wait for these guys to, to get out and just kind of jump into it and see what uh, how things play out. And then lastly, we have Wendemir, Master of House Greyjoy. Or, sorry, this says Maester. Maester of House Greyjoy. Uh, he has Raven Tending. Windermere begins the game with one order token. At the start of a friendly turn, you may move one order token from Windermere. If you do, choose one. Draw one Tactus card and restore two wounds to one friendly combat unit. Or, one friendly combat unit performs a three-inch shift. And then he also has, when Windermere claims the zone, you may replace that zone's effect with place one order token on Windermere. So, first thing I notice with him is, uh, for me personally, I think he is an amazing third NCU choice. His ability can be amazing, but uh, I feel it with only two NCUs, it's rare that I'm going to want one of his abilities over whatever spot he's going to be taking, which with that said, I'm only going to get his effects once because he starts with only one order token on him. But if you're running three NCUs and your opponent is only running two, uh, which is very possible with the new way uh, NCUs are priced and no NCU commanders, uh, having him be able to take the last spot on the board and replace it with gaining a token, because the difference being is it's the start of any friendly turn. Let's say you, uh, you know, you just start piling tokens back on, you know, you could first like three rounds of the game, just place tokens. And then you could have like four order tokens on turn uh, on round four. And you could literally do these, back to back to back to back on friendly turns to draw a card, restore two wounds, draw a card, restore two wounds, re draw a card, restore two wounds. Like it could get, you know, you could restore eight wounds over the course of the next four friendly action or turns. Um, so, or even perform, you know, four free shifts of three inches each. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think it could end up being amazing I don't, you know, I'm not going to say I would never take him in a two NCU list because uh, he's he's not like garbage. He's he's definitely useful. You would just have to find if he if you're only going to run two NCUs, you would just have to kind of find the right list f to fit him in. I think though he really shines as third NCU. Um, what do you think, Brett? Well, as a guy who just really fell in love with Craster um, after playing him, uh, I can tell you that healing the two wounds and drawing a card, the effect is just so good. Now, I played Craster when I was playing Night's Watch, so of course um, they love cards and they love uh, anything that heals, but... Um, even if it's costing you something, like even even if you treat it as like the zone replacement that Craster is, but he's just kind of saving it up for later, I think I think you will find out that uh, that effect 
is just so good. Like in reality, he's actually a little bit more flexible than Craster um, because you don't have to resolve that effect immediately. You can get it later. I'm going to pull up his card and read the exact wording. Sorry. Um, yeah, you're it. able to find it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, now that you say that, um, yeah, I um, could that, definitely that's see. That's, that's exactly. I could definitely see a little more usefulness because he is he is better than Craster in the sense that um, he has options. He starts the game with a token. Granted, Craster's three points, but we don't know what Craster's going to turn into because they said all three-pointers are going to be four-pointers with a slight buff, uh, you know, in most cases. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I suppose now now that you mentioned Craster, uh, I kind of see a lot more to him than I did before. But go ahead yeah. uh, with what you are going to say. I was just, yeah, I mean, that's just it. I think... Um... I think at first glance for a lot of people, it's like, oh, yeah, Craster's cool, but he's zone replacement. It's one of those things, like, you have to play him, and then you're like, yeah, this is clutch. Like, anytime I need to restore wounds, I can just do it. Um, a lot of times the strategy for your enemy is to take the wealth zone. That's the smart move, you know, prevent you from healing, Um it's just another reason Peter Baelish currently is just so good and almost criminally underused because he can just – anyway, that's a tangent. Um, this guy, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just see so much potential. Like, I, I'm viewing him as a flexible crafter. And even if I'm replacing the zone, I can take that opportunity to block a zone that my opponent would want, put uh, – I'll say it like a piggy bank, put one of these tokens in my piggy bank, and then I can use it later. Um, Particularly at the beginning of the game, if my opponent goes first and he's claimed the letters, you know, um, the crown zone's not as great as it used to be. It's definitely still worth taking a shot with the crown zone, but I just don't see the crown zone. It's... I know panic only changed by one wound, but for me it just it really reduces the value of the crown zone for me. Um, so much so that I feel comfortable running two NCUs and a lot of lists to beef up my physical army just because at the end of the day I'm not overly afraid of the crown. However, I, I could be, you know, effects like this that are zone replacement could change my mind. But um, I, I could just see myself using him to kind of uh, stockpile these tokens for a very critical moment late in the game, just like you said. Um, I think he's cool. Uh, it could be like an out-of-sight, out-of-mind thing with these tokens where your opponent, like, is really banking on killing this unit. And it's like, yeah, I've got him. I've got him in a spot. I'm going to be able to kill him. I'm going first next round. I'll just take the swords and finish them off. And then depending on how many turns are left, you could potentially heal that unit uh, a couple, two or three times. And now they're, 
they're back into the fight, they're very healthy, and it could just completely derail what your opponent wanted to do. So I I really like him. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I really do no. a lot of potential. No, I agree. Uh, you know, this isn't the first time that you've changed my mind, and the more we talk about it, the more, you know, I'm thinking, you know, because he starts with one order token on him. Then, you know, f- first round of the game, you know, how many times has someone, uh, you know, pl- uh, taken the letters to place a condition token on you? Or so- or you, let's say you place the condition token and then they want to take the maneuver to get close to the objectives and you go, okay, I'm going to take the, the wealth to prevent you from healing the condition, but I have no wounds to heal. You can still block the wealth zone with this guy and then save up that healing for later essentially because you're going to replace it with getting another token um and like i was mentioning before you stockpile them at the end of the game i mean how useful is Tycho? i mean granted Tycho's five wounds are all immediately and across any number of units but still this i mean if you can stockpile you know, four order tokens. I think four is the more realistic number if you're doing round one, two, three, because round four, that's when things are really going to start going. So, like, that's when the game's going to start changing in most cases, and that's when you're probably going to want to start using them. So still, four order tokens, uh, you know, could be huge. That's eight wounds. That's four tactics cards, especially if you know you're going to be drawing all these cards. You just start spitting the the cards that you have in your hand currently at that point, you just start spitting them out. So that way you don't hit, hit your uh, five-card uh, limit. But, you know, the amount of healing this guy could end up doing is, you know, amazing. And then you could even have five tokens if, so let's say, round four even, mid, somewhere within all of that happening, you take a spot and just replace it to put another token on to save for, you know, essentially have 10 wounds, five tactics cards. Or, you know, as I mentioned before, you know, you could, you know, shifting three inches, you know, multiple times could be huge for getting a unit, um, you know, out of range of something, in range of something. And we've talked about it countless times where, you know, we talk about swift reposition being such a key effect and this guy you know because it's start of a friendly turn may not be start of any turn like uh, swift reposition but still start of a friendly turn is still powerful uh, to be able to do um, alright uh, then we, that's uh, both the NCUs we'll talk about the unit the last unit that uh, they had not revealed which is the ironborn trappers they are a five move a six up defense an eight up morale they have a melee attack hitting on four with six six three profile they have orders uh, the order trappers tools start of any turn target one enemy engage with this unit for each pill choken on this unit they become vulnerable or weaken um, they have the pillage mechanic um, after completing a melee attack for each enemy rank that was destroyed, this unit gains one pillage token. It may have up to two tokens at any time. And then they have the ability Disrupt that we've seen uh, with the Starks. Enemies engaged with this unit suffer minus one to hit. And uh, 
I want to say these guys are four points. Um, I forgot to take a look, or I forgot to screenshot the point cost, but I'm almost positive these guys are four points. And, um, yep, four points. So even though they look like you could just sneeze on them and they're going to die, that minus one to hit is huge, um, especially if you, you know, the fact that they're only four points, you can get them into the mix with other with some of your other units to kind of double team some of the more elite armies, which you're going to see a lot more of. I know, you know, activations is key, like right now, but with the new, all the new stuff coming out that we've seen, you're going to see a lot more elite lists um, from what they've shown and what I've been able to build. Uh, almost every single one of my lists is seven or eight activations. It's super hard to get more than that without really sacrificing. Like, before, you could get 9, 10, 11, 12, you know, and not really have to sacrifice much. Now, uh, I think Simon's found, you know, nearly a perfect balance with forcing. If you want three NCUs, you're really going to have to pay for it. You're really going to have to make your on-the-table presence suffer. Um, and activations, though they will be important just as before, being able to get them, in abundance is not going to be very easy. And if you do, you actually are going to be, you know, you won't be able to just run a bunch of whatever activations. But whole units like this with abilities like Disrupt, you can really make the, their, uh, you know, them stay on the table a lot longer than what paper might show. Um, you know, not only that, but, you know, these guys are like true support. They're not going to be able to really dish out any damage. Even with buffs on these guys, you'll be able to do something. But buffs on these guys is, is not really what you, I think you're aiming for. These guys, you're really looking to uh, maybe throw one pillage on them somehow, whether it be because they attacked a, weak, uh, a unit that only needed a couple wounds skimmed off to give them a pillage token, or by other means. And then you just really dis, you know use that disrupt give that minus one so when they're trying to hit anything, even maybe your other unit of, like, Reavers, uh, and then uh, start of any turn, just start throwing out Vulnerables or Weakens. You know, you could throw out a Weakened, and now a Weakened enemy, let's say hitting on fours, trying uh, hitting on fives because it's Disrupt. I mean, these guys could stay for a while, and then Panic only being D3 instead of D3 plus one. Even though that ate up morale, I mean, you could be rolling ones all day and still, you know, have this unit just kind of sitting pretty. So overall, I think uh, an amazing addition to the faction. Um, I definitely will be throwing like one or two of these guys in a lot of lists. I think probably more one, but uh, with being only four points, I, you know, I could definitely see uh, multiples of these guys. But uh, what do you think, Brett? I, I think by way of support units there, I mean, they're exactly what you could ask for. They're cheap. Um, I think the tokens and the uh, minus one to hit are going to be very, very big. I think kind of like you mentioned, people are going to look at them and they're going to think that they aren't survivable. They're going to get blown off the board. But in reality, I think these guys are going to be very, very, very annoying. Um, they're going to give people some problems. Um the fact that they're minus one to hit affects 
you know, the enemy that's engaged with them. So it could also be engaged with a friend. So they're, they're kind of in a way they're, they're supporting and buffing their units as well. They're friendly units. Um, yeah, these guys come off to me as just a great, great support unit, uh, for, for a low price. Um, I would take these guys and have them work in tandem with a unit that can hit pretty hard, but isn't overly defensive, something like the Reavers. Um, and that will keep them around a little bit longer. Uh, if you combine that and double down with some of the other things that the Greyjoys have to help them stick around, uh, I think you'll end up seeing the trappers make units very, very tough, particularly since one of the tokens that they can dish out is weakened. Uh, if you're fighting something and you need fours to hit, um, I think the only thing we've seen in the game that hits on twos without a card is the King's Guard, correct? Yeah, and I don't even know if we've seen the new stuff um, right, for no, King's Guard. Talking, talking, talking 1.6. The only unit that yeah. naturally hit on two plus is the King's Guard, correct? I want to so, say so. It's been a while since I used them, but... Yeah, I, that seems correct to me. I don't think any other unit had melee attacks that could hit on twos without a card. Like, you've got four to watch, hold the line. There's a number of ways, a number of different cards that can get you twos to hit, but naturally without cards, um, you're just assuming that everything in the game would be hitting on either fours or fives. Now, if they're not charging and they're weakened, (laughs) there's going to be a lot of times that I know the law of averages says, like, six attacks hitting on fours with a weakened token, they should get one or two hits. doesn't always pan out. Um, just happened to me in my Masters game. Uh, both my opponent and I had units with that were hitting on four plus. My trackers completely whiffed. His conscripts completely whiffed with uh, six and seven attack dice, respectively. So... You know, the law of averages doesn't always pan out because, you know, he had a lot of threes in there. I think he had like four threes, two twos, and a one, which would be a decent roll, but he needed to hit on four, so he whipped, and I did something similar. So there's going to be times that you attack a unit where you're hitting on fours and you're weakened, and you're just going to flat out miss, and they won't even have to roll defensive dice. So that alone is a huge, huge buff. And I think these guys could potentially be uh, token farmers. I think along with the Greyjoy Bowman, if you start, if you make your list with a combination of two Bowman, one Trapper, or two Trappers, one Bowman, or something like that, and then you start to fill in your NCUs and you, you add in your elite or heavy hitters, but like I said, so these guys, they've got the uh, the um, Reavers, right, that are five points. They get yep. thundering. I mean, you can spend, let's see, let's just say, you know, three of those four-point units, two five-point units, you're at 22 points. Now you can take uh, your heavy hitter, put an activation, or put a really, really, really good attachment in them, and then you're at maybe 32 points or so, and then you can take two NCUs and call it a day. Yep, or even, uh, let's say, uh, like you were saying, we could take two Reavers for 10, The let's say two Bowmen and a Trapper for 12. 
at the 22. You take some like Harlaw uh, Reapers for six, put your commander in that Reaper unit. Now you're only at 28 points. Now you still have room for three four-point NCUs. Uh, you know, you you won't really have any attachments in there, uh, but it's still an option. I mean, because that that puts you at nine activations, which I, from what I was saying earlier, nine activations is insanely high uh, for what we're going to be seeing with uh, 2021, from what I can tell. Um, so, I mean, I think Greyjoys are in a great spot to be able to get all these crazy good activations um you're going to have three real like full-fledged combat units really getting in there doing a bunch of damage you're going to have one support unit with or three support units two of them being ranged one being the trappers and then you're going to have three ncus you're going to have you know a nice mixture across the board so i think these guys are a great addition um they don't other than being four points, so you're going to have to kind of decide between the bowmen or them, but they're so much more different than the bowmen that they don't, like, completely fight with them uh, in a role other than being cheap. Uh, so, yeah, we'll have to kind of see. I'm excited to see how these guys play out, but I think uh, they're a great four-point addition. Um, and... You know, the start of any turn is nothing to, you know, that's something that's amazing because uh, start of a turn, I mean, you can choose on the, fl on the fly, start of your own turn, okay, I'll make you vulnerable. Start of their turn, okay, I'll make you weaken. Um, so it's uh, something that, you know, and it's, it has to be engaged, but, you know, you can kind of decide whether or not you want to vulnerable them or weaken them depending on whose turn it is, uh, especially if maybe you're expecting to, you know, do something that didn't happen, you can kind of change your, your decision uh, based on that. Um, but with that said, we can jump on to the last part of the uh, show, which we'll talk about the five attachments um, that they added in. First, we'll start with Asha Greyjoy's Captain of the Black Wind um, attachment. I apologize, it did not even cross my mind to check the points for these guys. Uh, I'll check here in just a second. Um, so, she is one point. She comes with the order uh, Warcry, start of a friendly turn. This unit performs one morale test, and on a success, target one enemy in long range. It becomes panicked and vulnerable. And she has inspiring presence this unit's morale stat is a five up so essentially no matter who you put her with uh her war cry ability will be on a five up so unless like you're next to a tree which make it a four up or some other ability like that uh but it will never be worse than a five up unless they're able to modify it in some way uh, so you don't even have to worry about what unit she goes in uh, it's really just you'll have to worry about what outside effects like terrain pieces that affect them. So you don't have to, you know, worry about, oh, man, I don't want to put her in trappers because that ate up morale. And in a lot of ways, she'd be perfect for that unit. Uh, you know, stick her in there. And now if they get a pillage on them, you can start a friendly turn, do their ability, place a panicked and vulnerable, and then start of 
the enemy's turn, uh, right in conjunction, uh, you can expend or you can um, place a weaken token from their their ability. So you could have all three tokens in the matter of you know essentially one turn. Granted, the start of your turn up until the start of your opponent's turn. So I think uh, that's super super strong for one point. I mean, because in, in most cases, in, in, uh, Inspiring Presence is better than Stalwart. Stalwart plus two. I mean, she's giving a plus three morale stat to those trappers, making them a lot more survivable. I mean, that six-up armor is kind of brutal, but with the Disrupt and the five-up morale stat, and then placing all of those tokens for five points. You're talking five points, and you're generating a ton of tokens across the board. Granted, the the one from them has to be engaged, but this other one is just target one enemy in long range. You don't even need line of sight, and it, you just place them. It's amazingly good. What do you think, Brett? Yeah, I think it's... I think it's fantastic. And, uh, you know, you bring up a good point, but it's, it's situational. I guess it depends. Um, of course, situationally, it can be better than stalwart. Um, you could debate which is more flexible, I guess. Um, stalwart would put a morale eight unit up to a six. This is one point better, but then Stalwart would take like a, a unit that's a five down to a three or a six down to a four or something like that. But in the instance where you mentioned, yes, taking taking that morale eight unit and getting them to a five plus is pretty substantial. But uh, with that said, regardless, what she's bringing to the table for one point is phenomenal. Uh, this seems to be a case of the named attachments being incredibly good with what they bring to the table because there's only one of them. So it makes sense that they're really, really strong. Um, this is just really, really, really strong. Uh, <laughs> if I would, uh, if I wasn't running her as my commander, I would definitely want to make room for her in the list. Um, just getting the two best or the two, not the best, they're the two, the two damage multiplying tokens on this army uh, I really, really like it. I like the idea of maybe, if not her in a unit of archers, next to a unit of archers, because then if the archers kind of have a bad roll, they get two hits, one hit, the vulnerable and panic token could push the damage through to make sure that they wipe out a rank, and that's huge. So for me, I'm seeing her either in the archers or parked next to the archers. Um and that's probably just the most obvious way to use her. I'm sure there's plenty of other ways, but uh, you mentioned the Harlow Reapers. Uh, they would love to have those two tokens. I think any unit, <laughs> I mean, what unit in the game doesn't want a vulnerable and a panic token? And as you mentioned, she can just kind of set it up for her friends. Uh, it's kind of like the Red Priestess, except for it's not, um, I'm talking the 1.6 Red Priestess, except for it's not every attack, but at the same time, it's, it's not the defender that becomes vulnerable and, and panicked. So uh, Red Priestess was a nightmare when she did both tokens, so this could end up being something that people just 
absolutely. Hey, this is really strong, but at least it's an order. So uh, I would definitely take her. I, I think she looks good. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, she's going to find a perfect home in either the Trappers or the uh, um, the Bowman. I think uh, for me, probably Trappers, mostly because you just get so much mileage out of her morale stat boost on them, uh, whereas the Bowman, it'll be useful for, like, panic bombs or something, but ho- you're hoping, and it's not always the case, that your bowmen aren't going to be engaged. So in a lot of cases, that morale stat boost won't be as useful. And the nice part is because it's long range and no line of sight needed, that uh, that effect um, is not really, it technically isn't even really important which unit that effect goes in. So you're really kind of just trying to optimize that effect with um, the morale stat boost. Uh, so I would say um, possibly even her and Iron Makers. The Iron Makers, a two-up save with a five-up morale if they have tokens on them uh, would be amazing. So now you have this unit that's nearly unmovable that even if they try to ignore you, you got the war cry to still make them useful throwing tokens everywhere every round. Um, so I would almost say she is on, on that cusp of saying she's an auto include. And I would say this game is so like really well balanced in this, in the sense that nothing's ever an auto include, but she's really close to that for one point, uh, in a faction that's in my opinion, really glass cannon, uh, based that five up morale stat, you know, is amazing. Uh, but to move on to talk about uh, her champion, Asha's champion, Car- uh, Carl, I believe is how it's uh, pronounced, Q-A-R-L. There's two versions. Uh, so the first one is her champion, which is one point, and it has the ability that, or the requirement that this attachment ignores the usual attachment limits when added to a unit containing Asha Greyjoy. So you can put this one point attachment in any unit you want, but if you want to ignore the usual attachment restrictions, you need to put her in Asha, or put him in Asha's unit. Uh, to do so for the one-point version, which just has expert duelist uh, for one point. When this unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, choose one. This attack deals plus one wound or target one attachment in the defender's unit and roll a die, and on a three-up, destroy that attachment. And then the other version is two points. doesn't have that restriction. Um, so essentially uh, this version, the maid, uh, will not be able to be put in Asha's unit because it doesn't, uh, no matter what, ignore the attachment restriction. But you're paying two points to also have to have expert duelist, but also stalwart for that plus two morale. Um, so yeah, I think man, stalwart on this attachment, and then the insp- ins- uh, inspiring presence on Asha. It's going to be amazing, uh, you know, talking about the two-point attachment here to get the stalwart, you'll be able to really boost your morale over a good chunk of your army by running three those three points, you know, the one point for Asha and the two points for uh, the maid. So, and then that's not even to mention if you wanted to put Asha in, let's say, the Iron Makers 
to give them that amazing morale and then put Asha, uh, Carl Asha's champion in there to give him the expert duelist, now people are really going to want to ignore that unit. You know, you're going to be able to do that auto wound. Um, you could even put uh, um, him in a Reaper unit to deal that auto wound to trigger the panic test. Because remember, you don't have to put put Carl in Asha's unit. Uh, you only do that if you want to ignore the attachment limit. A um, lot of flexibility. Um, I like that they kind of did the two different versions. Um, it would give you a lot of play in combinations and what uh, you know possibilities. What do you think of, of both of those versions, Brett? Yeah, I think they're both solid. I think I think uh, abilities that kill attachments are going to end up being pretty good because they've done a really nice job of buffing attachments and making them so attractive right now. Um, being able to get rid of them is going to be a huge, huge bonus. Um, so both versions of this getting a pretty fair amount of play, honestly. Yeah, I I can't wait to try them all out, you know, especially because, you know, one of my uh, top lists that I want to try out is with Euron, which means I could then run Asha and uh, Carl to get, you know, to make my super offensive uh, list be a lot more defensive with the, those morale boosts. Because um, a lot of people, they, they really underestimate the, you know, having that bad defensive save, like a five up, five up or so. But then, um, you know, they take for granted the fact that, you know, they have an amazing morale. Um, you know, that's how my Stark Berserker lists operate. You know, it's super, like, offensive, like no defensive units uh, as far as, like, actual defensive saves. But my morale in the entire army is just so high that uh, it's a lot more defensive than it looks. And I think both these attachments are going to be key for that. All right, and then coming up on the last couple attachments here, we got Newt and uh, Tarion Greyjoy. First up, we'll talk about Newt. He is one point. He gives Furious Charge. Enemies successfully charged by this unit become vulnerable. He has uh, an innate ability, which can't be taken away because as the heart symbol. It's Victarion's uh, vassal. This model counts as Victarion Greyjoy when its unit is being targeted targeted by tactics cards. And then he also has Motivated by Coin. When a friendly NCU claims the Wealth Zone, you may replace that zone's effect with Newt's, Newt's unit performs one attack action. So to briefly um, talk about uh, Victarion's tactics cards, I'm not going to go over all the tactics cards, just briefly going to mention the effects that the unit gets if it's Victarion. So if it's the it, uh, Rush of Aggression, uh, if it's Victarion's unit, they become vulnerable. The Salt Orders, uh, if it targets Victarion's unit, it can perform a charge action instead of a melee attack. And Sustained Assault, if it's Victarion Greyjoy's unit, it may also reroll any attack dice. So for one point, to be able to double the effects of your tactics cards, 
Now, I am going to say it in this case. He is an auto-include in any Victarion Greyjoy's uh, commander faction or list. If you're running Victarion Greyjoy commander, in my opinion, Newt is automatically in every single list I will ever make. Uh, just that ability alone. Um, you know, that's not to mention that he has uh, Furious Charge and um, and. Where did he go? All right. That's not to mention that he has Furious Charge and Motivated by Coin. So, I mean, I'd argue to say that I would take him, if he had no other effects other than the Victarion's Vassal, vessel, however you say that, V-A-S-S-A-L, um, even if that was its only ability, I would run it at one point, knowing that I could double up my presence of... Uh, Victorian's tactics cards uh, for those added effects. What about you, Brett? Uh, yeah, I think I think you're probably right. Um, uh, looking at these cards, you know, the kicker for Victorian is is pretty powerful. Um, and yes, it, it's vassal, by the way. But uh, um, yeah, it's definitely. <laughs> It's definitely worth doing. Um, I'm sorry, how many points did you say he is? <laughs> One point. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's no way. There's no way I would leave him behind. Uh, like you mentioned, the Furious Charge alone is probably worth a point. It's something we've seen in the 1.6 version. It's pretty good ability. Um, or in the 1.6 version of the game, we've seen Furious Charge. Um, Call Drogo has it, right? Um, I can't remember, but I think uh, Free Folk have, I think it's the Alpha gives that. Or it's it's Torment, I think. Uh, At any rate, we've seen charged units become vulnerable. We've seen it. We know it's good. Um, Yeah, I'm with you. It would almost be worth taking him for the point, but the the ability to double up on the tactics card kickers is pretty substantial. So I'm pretty sold on him if I'm running Victorian. Yeah, so if you're running Victorian, he's an auto-include. If you're not running him, that's a qu- that's something to bring up. Furious Charge and motiva- Motivated by Coin are still amazing effects that are easily worth uh, wor- uh, one point. I would say he, even though, let's say he had, didn't have the Victorian's Vassal, uh, you'd still be running him for these abilities. I mean, taking the wealth and being able to replace with an attack is super huge, especially in this faction. Uh, this faction uh, punishes your opponent for taking uh, the wealth zone and the combat zone. So uh, I have some lists where uh, we haven't seen what they do yet, but I'm assuming they're going to be similar in, or stay the same as the uh, uh, Stormcrow Lieutenants. I have one list where it's, um, well, now that I know what Newt does, I have Newt and then Bron and a bunch of Stormcrow lieutenants, but I also have uh, Iron, uh, Eric Ironmaker NCU, and so I just really tell my opponent, what are you going to do? You're going to take that wealth zone and then give my tactics cards a boost and let me get a free pillage token from uh, my NCU, or you're going to let me take that wealth zone. Now I have all these attachments that are doing all these effects. I mean, it's, it's a lose-lose for your opponent. So uh, I think Newt's uh, an amazing attachment, and I 
we'll, I'm sure we'll see him in ton of lists, both Victorian and non-Victorian lists. And then lastly, to talk about, we have Victorian Greyjoy, Master of the Iron Victory. He's a three-point attachment, but I think properly priced because he has furious charge. Enemies successfully charged by this unit become vulnerable. And then he also has the Order Relentless. Start of a friendly turn. This unit performs one attack or maneuver action. Do not activate a unit this turn. So what we've seen uh, in other uh, reveals, you know, I think, this uh, is a lot more fair in the sense that even though it's the same abilities, uh, same points, but the key difference here is that he's a named character. Uh, I like the fact, because you can only take one of them, you can't uh, spam a bunch of three-point activations or pseudo-activations in a sense because it's just an attacker maneuver, but I like it a lot. I think he's going to be... Um, you're going to see him in a lot of lists. You could even, that list we mentioned before, you could even take, um, you know, take away one of those uh, bowmen and put him in the other bowmen, saves you that one point to now you can run like Asha in the trappers uh, and have the same number of activations uh, you'd have less total units, but now you have Asha in there making those uh, um, trappers a lot more survivable. You have Victorian to basically double shoot with the uh, rangers or with the, the bowmen. You know, you could put him... I mean, I guess bowmen wouldn't be the best place because you're losing on the fear's charge, but still, I guess you kind of know what I'm getting at is that, you know, you save that point there, you get Asha, or you know, and that you could put him in one of the Reaver units and so on. You know, there's so much flexibility with him, but I think he's an amazing uh, uh, design. So to kind of wrap it up, Brett, what do you think of Victorian here? I think he's great. Um, I'm thinking Bolton Bastard Girls for him. It's kind of a wasted vulnerable token, I guess, um, because they become vulnerable after the Bastard Girls shoot anyway. But, uh, even still giving them the giving them the free attack either way, whether it's ranged or melee or the maneuver, um, seems pretty strong. It's either that or you put him in their most offensive unit and just send them, let them go, let them run amok. Um, I think Relentless is a fantastic ability uh, in the remade version because it's essentially another activation. Now that it can be a free attack or a free maneuver, you can always do one or the other. So um, I, I am very, very, very attracted to units, to, to any attachments that, that bring relentless. So. Yep, and another important thing to note is that, you know, you put him in a unit, uh, whatever unit, and then you put a... Uh, a captain in that unit to give them the outflank. Um, they don't come on activated, and now you can, uh, let's say it's, you know, it's in their flank or their rear, at least their flank, if not their rear. I mean, they're almost have to turn around at that point, like because you're not only going to get a charge in their rear and attack them, and then you could Victorian 
relentless and attack again in their rear. But then again, they turn around, and now their rear is going to face the rest of your army. Uh, again, in my opinion, that's like a lose-lose for your opponent. Uh, so there's so many cool combos, cool things with the faction. Uh, so we'll end it off by just kind of giving our thoughts on the entire faction in it as a whole. I think, uh, you know, it's going to be a learning curve for everyone. Um, the people playing it, there's going to be a lot of tricks you're going to have to try to learn to make them really work. It's going to be interesting to see how they play out since neutral units are not very desirable because a lot of effects won't affect them. Now that's also to mention that neutral attachments uh, don't really matter. You could run as many as those as you want because as far as I know, nothing cares about the attachment being neutral or Greyjoy. It only matters if the unit is Greyjoy. So that's why, like, I have the one list with, like, Braun and a bunch of Stormcrow lieutenants um, to really give my opponent a lot to think about. So, and then, if again, if you run all that with Euron, uh, Commander, he has a bunch of stuff that really makes you kind of have to decide what you're going to do. Um, so yeah, are, you, are you running the 1.6 version of Braun? Yeah, I don't think they've revealed uh, what he does yet. So um, I guess, again, just assuming that he's going to relatively stay the same. Um, right. I and you, you've mentioned him twice, and it, just, it, had, it had me uh, thinking that. But, yeah, go ahead. No, yeah, you're good. Yeah, I was just thinking because he has his whatever his ability is called uh, for the if you take the wealth zone for uh, the morale boost and I think the dice boost and stuff. So assuming if let's say worst case he does change, he doesn't have anything that cares about the wealth. I would just replace him with another stormcrow lieutenant again. Uh, assuming the stormcrow lieutenants still have that, uh, but I figured you know just loading up your army with needing wealth zone abilities will really just it'll make your opponent really have to think about it because there's again it's it's lose-lose for your opponent uh granted you know you could get it one way you could say it almost as a lose-lose for you because if your opponent does decide to take it but i think as is um you know, it can it kind of favors your opponent just saying, ah, screw it, I'll take it anyways, because the effects you get for the tactics cards isn't that big of a deal. Um, or I should say, uh, you know, so, yeah, just taking those, those effects will really, I think, tip the scale to be more even. Now they really just don't know what to do. So that's what I'm the most excited about playing is you're on with uh, a bunch of, um, like, coin attachment abilities. And we'll, uh, yeah, so Brett, uh, what do you think? Like your your final thoughts on like everything that's been revealed and uh, just the army as a whole? I think, I think they're suffering a little bit right now in 1.6 uh, because Walter Frey is just so popular. He's, I mean, he's not auto-include, but he's near auto-include in at least one of the two lists in the list pairing. So Walter Frey really, his 1.6 version really does a lot of work against Greyjoys because he takes away like the ability for the Iron Makers to go to a two plus. So for me, uh, I guess the jury's still out 
they don't they haven't been given a fair shake because they're designed for 2021 and we don't really have a choice but to play them with 1.6 stuff right now so i will be very curious and interested to see but i think i think they'll be strong in the in the 2021 version i think they'll be a good faction there's a lot of really neat tricks there's a lot of cool little things that you can do um, the only way for me really to get an idea is to just start playing with them and tinker around with some of these combinations. But I see some pretty strong synergies. Yeah, and I think an important thing to note is that uh, everything you see for the Greyjoys here is, um, you know, it's all already set for 2021. Everything you see is what it is and isn't changing for, as far as we know, 2021 is what it is. So what might seem like a weaker faction, you also have to consider that, you know, this is this is the changes. Um, so if you're playing a, a 1.6 faction against them, you're playing, you know, in a lot of cases, a faction that's just superior in the sense that they haven't gotten a lot of their quote-unquote nerfs in the sense you know they're less attack dice and they're less uh hitting on fours instead of threes in a lot of cases um because a lot of things as we've seen have been toned down so that we don't see a lot of one-two punch you're dead uh so with that said um this faction you know if you've played it against a 1.6 army you're the 1.6 army has the advantage i'm not saying that you can't win uh Greyjoys look amazing, and they could definitely, you know, kick some 1.6 butt, but I think on the grand scale, when you're talking about, like, the top list of every faction, they're going to struggle a little bit. But I think once we kind of see the entirety of 2021, these guys are going to start shining a lot better, uh, and you're going to see a lot, uh, you know, a lot more different results in uh, the way the games are played, especially because you know, the activations we're talking about, you could easily hit 8, 9. And in some cases, I think you could probably still hit 10 with these guys. Uh, and that's a lot more than your average faction's going to be able to do reliably. So, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see what all the rest of the reveals show. But I'm uh, willing to bet that not a lot of factions are going to have four-point unit options. And that what I mean by uh, I mean like full fledged units, twelve models. You know, having something like a wolf. Uh, you know, it's a unit gives you an activation, but there's only so much activations like that can do. You know, you you not only want an activation, you want an activation that's going to be able to pull its weight and dish out some damage and really give some support. So, uh, I think Greyjoy's. Uh, you know, they're going to be awesome, and I can't wait uh, for them to come out. I got uh, my pre-order set. I um, already got all my materials to magnetize and prime them. So, you know, uh, I know overseas, our, our buddies over there are already starting to get their starters, so I can't wait. I'm excited. Uh, I hope, you know, we're going to start seeing our starters uh, over here in the U.S. soon. But with that said, we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this show. Um, this might be the last time we talk about Greyjoys for a little bit, just because uh, we've kind of covered everything that uh, is out and probably will be out for a little while now. 
uh, it, everything that we have covered this show and the previous couple of shows, uh, that is everything you'll be able to buy once they release. I believe this is the first starter set that's going to drop with uh, a starter. Two units, I believe, uh, that aren't in the starter box and the Hero Box 1. Uh, I believe it's uh, the starter, which comes with two Reapers, or sorry, two Reaver units, one Reaper unit, and one Bowman. Then you'll be able to get uh, uh, the Iron Makers and the Trappers separately, and you'll be able to get the Hero Box 1 separately, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that is a ton. You know, that's, I believe, pretty much every other faction was only released as the starter plus one additional unit. Uh, this one's getting two additional units and a hero box. You're going to be able to play with so many be- uh, different combinations and abilities. Uh, you know, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. So with that said, uh, thank you all for listening in. If you haven't already, please uh, go to our Facebook page, you know, like, share it out, uh, you know, follow us on any of the platforms that you guys listen to us on. You know, we appreciate everything, you know, all the, all of our listeners. Um, you know, if you guys haven't already, uh, heard of it, you know, we, we give out a unit box of the winner's choice, uh, every time we hit a hundred likes, uh, milestone on our page. Um, did one, uh, about a month ago or so. I believe we're about halfway to get into the next one. So, uh, even if you've already liked our Facebook page, you know, recommend it out to others because, um, you know, the more we can give away, you know, the better. Uh, and yeah, with that said, this is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed. <laughs>